0: Please join me in standing as we read the Lord's Word. So today's reading is from Exodus chapter 20. Um, It looks like it's verses 8 to 11. And this is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work Welcome uh, to Christ City Church. My name is uh, Matthew Watson. I serve as uh, the pastor here. I'm really uh, excited about uh, getting in uh, to the Word this morning. Um, uh, It was almost a year ago, it was actually Labor Day of last year, uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, My wife Lisa and I, we preached a a message together entitled Finding Rest in Days of Labor. Uh, we, We... The idea was that we were going to co-preach it. What that meant was that um, uh, I was going to preach for 15 minutes, and then she was supposed to preach for 15 minutes, meaning that we would have a combined... A sermon of uh, thirty minutes. What actually happened was I preached for eighteen minutes, um, and she preached for thirty-two minutes, and we ended up with a sermon that was like an hour long. It was, it was, uh, it was massive. Um, the thing is, uh, it was over sort of a, the holiday weekend, so we had kind of folks that were traveling and, and in and out. But because of the miracle of the internet, people just downloaded the podcast in massive numbers, uh, actually. Um, they, and then, then throughout the week and the weeks after that, people just began emailing me. They emailed Lisa. They would stop us uh, after uh, uh, service uh, the following Sundays. And for weeks, people would say, hey, listen, you know, today's message, that was really good, but I really want to talk to you about the message that you preached a few weeks ago about rest over Labor Day weekend. That one really, can you do that one again, like maybe just a couple of more times, because I really needed to hear that. Matter of fact, let me know when you're going to do it again so I can bring my boss, because I think my boss needs to hear it, too, <laughs> Because we're, you know, we're, we we see things differently a little bit, and the thing was when, and we really didn't give a whole lot more thought to it other than, any more than we give any other message. But there was something that resonated with folks when we talked about what it means to rest in the Lord. It just it just stirred some things. Over and over, we heard how the message of resting in Christ. And the light yoke, the light burdened life that Jesus offers in contrast to the heavy burdened work that the world demands, it just resonated with people. And I believe it resonated so deeply and resonates still. We still get people mentioning this message to us. Is The reason it resonated so deeply is because it struck a chord in our souls, souls that have been misshapen or malformed because of our relationship with work and with rest. There is an endless supply of articles and research about America's work habits, and none of them are good. Americans take less vacation than other developed countries. According to Glassdoor, a careers website, Americans only take 54% of their allotted vacation time. Americans, uh, they take less lunch breaks. Uh, A 2015 survey of office workers found that only one in five Americans spend their lunch time away from their desks. A phenomenon that should surprise no one, Americans send more work emails outside of traditional work hours than any other country in the developed world. We simply won't stop working. Our relationship with work and rest, especially as Americans, it's, it's damaging us as individuals and as people. We've made an idol out of work and our productivity. We're constantly grinding it out in order to secure more sales or the highest profit margins or log the most billable hours to the universe. And others of us, uh, our work idol gets wrapped up in humanitarian efforts. We have children to educate or people to heal or to feed or to defend or to house or to save. And listen, I get it. I'm a pastor in Washington, D.C., I'm not immune from the water that I swim in either. I'm married to a woman who works at a Christian nonprofit and travels the country telling anyone who will listen that another world is possible and the kingdom is at hand. But the danger, our danger is the same. Whether you work at Deloitte or for the District of Columbia or at Christ City Church, for that matter, the danger is that we will make an idol out of our work and our productivity. And the thing about idols is they have a way of shaping our identity. If I make an idol out of money, then my worth and value is bound up in my bank account. If I make an idol out of my family, then my worthiness is only as good as the picture-perfect image of my family portrait. And if I make an idol out of work, then I'm only valuable as long as one I have work and that I'm productive. And idols are never satisfied. Yet when we catch a glimpse of how God intended us to view our work and our rest, it resounds in us. It beckons us to a lovelier shore. It tells us that there's a better story that's available for our lives, both our working lives and our non-working lives. God's intention for our work and our rest, it's good news for us. It's gospel to us. It's in this context that we begin this series today called Sabbath, God's Rhythm for Holiness and Healing. And what we want to do over the course of the next five weeks is to take a deep dive into one of God's commandments to his children that relates to work and rest. And our aim in this series is that you and I would be captivated by this work-rest rhythm that God puts forward and see it as good news, see it as evidence of God's grace to us. We also hope that you'll begin to see Sabbath as an antidote to the work idols in your life and especially the ways that our relationship to work and rest has had ill effects on our identities. The stated affirmatively, the aim of the series is to see our identity in Christ anchored and deepened and secured as a result of our participation in God's rhythms of work and rest. Now, so just before we jump in, or I don't know why I say that, we've already jumped in. I've been talking for like 10 minutes now. What am I saying? <laughs> it's just stuff preachers say to transition to the next point, so... <laughs> Showing you all my tricks here. First, I think it would be um, just helpful for us to gain a bit of background about uh, the Sabbath, of what it was, particularly in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament book of the Bible and the book of Exodus is the story of of Moses. And in Exodus, Moses is leading the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and towards the Promised Land. Much of uh, the Exodus is these dramatic encounters between Moses and the Pharaoh of Egypt, wherein Moses is demanding that the Pharaoh release the Hebrew people from their enslavement. And There's this dramatic delivery following a series of plagues on Egypt, and Israel's allowed to leave, but then Pharaoh, he sort of reverses course, and then he attempts to recapture the Hebrews while they're running away from Egypt, and God delivers um, the Hebrews by parting the Red Sea, where the Hebrews walk across, but then the Egyptians, they're pursued, and they get swallowed up by the sea. That's a quick and dirty of the story. And then once they're free from Egypt um, and they're delivered through the sea and they're on the other side, then God gives his people 10 commandments. He communicates the commandments through his messenger, Moses. If you've never seen Charlton Heston, you're missing out. It's actually quite a iconic movie. Um, There are 10 commandments. So there's 10 of them. He lays them out and what they are is, uh, their commandments are, don't have any other gods but the one true God, don't make idols, don't uh, take the Lord's name in vain, honor your father and mother, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. I mean, just sort of good, just a good list. But embedded in the middle of that list, the fourth commandment in this list of ten says this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. The fourth commandment, uh, it's it's really quite different than the others. The other nine, their commandments, they're mostly don'ts. There's one do, honor your father and mother. And all of a sudden, don't, don't do this, don't do that, don't kill people, don't steal, don't lie to them, don't covet, don't sleep around. Like there's sort of all of this. But the fourth one is different. It doesn't say that. It begins with remember. There's something I want you to remember. It breaks this pattern. It's the only one wherein we're commanded to remember something. Author and pastor A.J. Swoboda says that God commanded us to remember the Sabbath because he knew that it's the commandment about which we're most susceptible susceptible to amnesia. He said we, we would forget this one. And so he commands us to remember. The thing about remembering in the Bible, it's always tied to action. Sometimes we think about remembering, and it's just like sort of a mental uh, exercise. It's something that just sort of takes place in our minds only. But in the Bible, it's always a sense of something that happens in your mind but works its way out in your body. That remembering is a bodily activity. At different junctures in the Bible, remember um, uh, requires action. Genesis 8, following the flood, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. God remembered his people and he acted. In Exodus, just as the Hebrews were leaving Egypt, Moses remembered Joseph who was buried in Egypt. But before Joseph died, he told the people, he said, listen, if you ever return back to the promised land, take me with you. And so now generations later, as they're leaving Egypt, they remembered Joseph and they dug up his bones and they carried him with them so that they could rebury them in the promised land. Remembering required action throughout Deuteronomy. God tells Israel to remember when he brought them out of Egypt. And that remembering is to prompt them to remain faithful to the relationship that they have with God. Other places, it's, it's God that remembers not just his people. Genesis 30, where God remembers Rachel in her distress. And the remembering prompts God to intervene on Rachel's behalf. And Rachel is able to bear children because of God's remembering of her. Remembering is action. And so when God tells us to remember the Sabbath, he's not simply saying, have this mental exercise. He's prompting us to do something. Now, the curious and brilliant turn is what God is demanding that we remember. Remember the Sabbath. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to cease or or to desist or to simply stop. In verses 9 and 10, God is clarifying what he wants his people to cease doing. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work. What God is commanding his people is that they carve out a day in the week, one out of seven, and on that day that they don't work. He's wanting them to remember to not do something. and Whatever it was that occupied the minds and the bodies of the people of God throughout the week, God is saying, lay that aside for a day. Don't do it. You can go back to it afterwards, but one day there's no work. This religious practice for Jews was completely out of step with the cultures around them. As one uh, commentary noted, Sabbath observance has no parallel in any of the cultures of the ancient Near East. All other religious narratives of the ancient Near East cultures had stories wherein God worked humanity to the bone. And yet the biblical story has the creator commanding his creation to cease work one day a week. God even takes it further. He says, it's not just for those of you that are, that are my children that I've called that are bound with me in covenant. He says, no, it's not just for you. It's for your sons. It's for your daughters. It's for those that work for you. It's for your animals even. And it's for the immigrants that live among you. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Sabbath is extended to children and to servants and to slaves and even livestock and the agricultural animals and even non-Jewish foreigners. This was all to be a characteristic of the lives of those that followed God was to Sabbath, was to cease, was to stop. The rhythm of working six days but resting one, this Sabbath rhythm, it marked the Jewish people, it set them apart from the surrounding culture. Seneca, the famed Roman philosopher who lived around the time of Jesus, he noted with disdain this Sabbath custom of the Jews. He said that Jews waste a seventh of their life in inactivity. The thing is, this can be our attitude too. We can uh, be so captivated by our pursuit of work and productivity that it seeps into our being so much that the thought of taking a day Away from work in a rhythmed way, it can seem like fantasy land. I have to tell you, I have been incredibly nervous to begin this series and even to preach today. Uh, For a number of reasons. One is because I'm a hypocrite when it comes to this. Um, For those of you that have been at Christ City for any amount of time, you know, a couple of years ago, I confessed my own Sabbath breaking. Um, I could... uh, if you look at the Ten Commandments, I could, um, I could steal, I could lie, I could cheat. Any of those things would cost me my job. But if I break the Sabbath, I might get a raise. And so I've been nervous about it. But the other is, I know how hard so many of you work. And for me to say, will you consider what it might mean for you to Sabbath, to cease or to break? I might as well be asking you to jump over the moon but I want us to hang in here for a moment. I want us to consider what might God be saying in these rhythms for us. Because there the commandment sits, positioned between taking the Lord's name in vain and honor your father and mother and God's instructions to us on how to live well and live in light of his life in us. And so the invitation remains, it's for us to stop and to pause and to remember him. The aim of the Sabbath is to turn our gaze towards the Lord, the one who created us and who sustains us. There is growing research about the positive effects of Sabbath rest. Researchers are finding that people are more productive following rest. Even the environment fields grow more produce when they've had time to recover, but that's not the primary reason for Sabbath. And if we make it the primary reason, then we allow the idol of productivity to slip into our Sabbath routines again. The Sabbath is a rest, but it's more than that. It's a deeper rest that is remembering the links of God's love. It's, It's a rest not in the ways that we make rest, because our rest isn't something that we can control. Truth is, I can sleep 10 hours a day and wake up tired. I can come back from a vacation exhausted, because my rest is ultimately in the Lord not even in rhythms, however healthy those rhythms may be. And what Sabbath does is it creates space for me to remember what God has done and who I am in him and let that shape my identity. Sabbath is intended to be different. Our Sabbath ceasing is to turn our gaze towards the Lord. As pastor and author Eugene Peterson would write, Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. When we look at the creation narrative in Genesis, God created the world in six days and then he rested on the seventh. The thing is, he created people on the 6th day. So he created them and then the very next day was the Sabbath. What that means is that the first thing that humanity did was that they Sabbathed, they stopped, they remembered the goodness of God. They took time to see what God was doing, and then from there, then from there, they launched into their work. They didn't have to work or earn their Sabbath. They didn't have to name all of the animals. They didn't have to follow God's laws and decrees in order to earn their Sabbath. No, it was the first thing that God did. And we get initial echoes of this good news of what Sabbath is to us, this gospel message that, no, in him rest. God is not one that we have to labor for his grace. He gives it freely. We begin with Sabbath, we don't end with it. It's not an end to the week or the payoff for hard work. It's a grace that is extended to us from the Almighty because of his great love for us. Rabbi Abraham Heschel would say the Sabbath is not for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It's not an interlude but the climax of living. It's an opportunity to mend our tattered lives. Over the coming weeks, we want to continue to look at Sabbath. We're going to unpack it more. Today was just intended to be an introduction. We want to look at the Sabbath through the lens of our core values of worship and community and justice. We want to explore what, in what ways is Sabbath a form of worship? Is it a way for us to not just listen to what the Lord has done, but also to reflect back our own adoration of him. In what ways is Sabbath community forming? You can't do Sabbath by yourself. It's, it's too hard. We'll explore the ways that the Jewish community and early Christians, that they harness the power of community to walk faithfully in Sabbath ways. And in what ways is Sabbath justice? In what ways does it break the patterns of consumption and the patterns of oppression that then remind us that the kingdom of God is at hand? Something that we're also looking forward to with this sermon series is what it will lead into. In September, we'll be stepping back into the Gospel of John, but we'll also be doing some communal Sabbath experiments together, some shared prayers and some shared fasting. Um, it'll take place in different ways over the coming weeks and months, individual and communal, but at, and at different times, daily practices, weekly practices, monthly events. There'll be a Sabbath guide that we'll share with you at the end of this series and some additional podcasts that will follow. But all of it has the goal of not just learning about Sabbath and why it's good, but actually doing it and experiencing God's goodness. And the aim of it all is to see this rhythm of rest Undo the damage done when our identity is bound in our work rather than bound to the God who saves. And so the prayer of it all is to allow God to use this Sabbath, this gift of Sabbath, to mend our tattered lives. Now, I know some of you are hearing this, and there's like this... It's like his internal freak out, like, oh, my God, like, he doesn't, like, it's a busy season at work. Like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I don't, you know, okay, let's do Sabbath, like, in the spring. Uh, I'm more free then. Like, there's this, you know, this space where you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. Here's the thing about the Lord. It's a grace. Where the commandment went wrong is when it, we built rules around it and dictated how best to follow it. Something that was intended to be a grace and a good towards us became a rule and an oppression. That's not Jesus' ways. And so wherever you are, start there. You say, you know, I've got got these two hours on a Tuesday. Here's the beautiful thing about the Lord. Whatever you surrender over to him, he will meet you there. You got two hours on a Tuesday when given over to the Lord. He says, I will show you what rest is. I will cease with you if you will give it to me. So begin wherever you can begin and let and let the Lord meet you in that space. Spend those moments remembering the work of God in creation. And in those moments, the work of God in Christ and embrace the move of the Holy Spirit in that space. And let him root your identity in him, not in your work or your productivity or even your lack thereof. In him, because you are children over whom he delights. So much so that he said, I've got a day that I want you to stop everything and just remember the love that I have for you. Let me pray for us. Father we have we've sung that you're good we've sung praises to you we've, we've we've celebrated you father and and even as we explore these these gifts of grace that you um, that you extend to us god there's there's wonder and there's apprehension and there's I know I know there's enough type A's in the room that we're trying to logistically sort out where and when and the how-tos and the wherefores and how-comes and of what it means to cease and to rest and to remember and to reflect. And Spirit, I pray that even in this moment that you would arrest us, that you, that you, would, that you would stifle us and stop us, that you would just, in the ways that, that when I see my kids running through the living room, that I'll just grab them and hold them and hug them. I'll interrupt their their movements and tell them that I love them. God, I pray that in this moment, that even at this, at this juncture, that you would do that for those in this room. That you would interrupt their comings and goings and say, sit with me. Remember that your identity is in me. You're good at what you do. You're good at your work. So that's not all of who you are. God, I pray that, that we would experience your embrace, your, your arresting, your, your Sabbath embrace towards us. And God, that you would show us where and when you want us to cease so that we might gaze and look at you and remember your goodness and your glory and your love. In Christ's name I pray. there's a passage out of Isaiah that I just want to read over you as a a blessing, as a beginning reminder as we step into the Sabbath experience and the Sabbath series. It comes from Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters and you will pass through, they will not overcome you. When you pass through, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious, and honored in my sight. And because I love you. Sabbath and rest isn't about you earning it. It's about God's grace to you. Because he loves you. I want to read this over you just so that you can get a sense and, 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 and a deepening of your identity in him. Because any of our sabbathing has to begin with that. This undoing, this this unleashing of the ways that our work and our productivity has shaped our identity. And so even this morning, my prayer for you, church, is just that you would sense God saying, you're mine. I love you. I delight over you. Whatever else swirls around you, on the days where you're incredibly productive, you're still mine. On the days where you fail miserably, you're mine. I love you. The waters won't wash over you. But my love always will. That's my prayer for you. As we continue to worship, one of the things that we do each and every week at Christ City Church is that we come to the communion table, the sacrament that reminds us of God's great love poured out in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you're one that follows Jesus, we we invite you to the table. You're welcome. We'll give you a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ broken for you, and then you'll dip it in a cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ shed for you. There'll be two stations here. There's a gluten-free option to my right. And if you want someone to to just pray with you, to pray over you, we have prayer stations, and our prayer counselors will be there, just to pray with you as you give consideration to what does it mean for you to cease and to stop for a moment, just to hear the words of the Lord. So as Justin and the team continues to lead us in worship, we invite you to the table. And we invite you to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit. So will you stand, and as you're ready, just come.